I am Planta on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Brandon Reed uh, joins me now. The educator will be publishing his debut novel shortly entitled Beautiful, Beautiful. The book is a coming-of-age story that examines the complexities of indigeneity, masculinity, and, and the contrast between urban and rural life. I'll get Brandon to tell us about the 12-year-old indigenous boy at the heart of the story, Derek Mormon, who um, we follow as he goes to Bella Bella for his grandfather's funeral. And Brandon will tell us as much as he'd like about the transformative journey that Derek undertakes, wherein he uncovers the traumatic history of his ancestors. I'll also ask Brandon about writing and the sort of themes he takes on in writing and in fiction, in the case of this book. As well, we'll reflect on uh, the publishing process. Brandon Reed holds a B.Ed. from the University of British Columbia with a specialization in Indigenous education and a journalism diploma from Langara College. His work has uh, been published in the Barely South Review, the Richmond Review, and the province. He is uh, a member of the Heltzik First Nation with a uh, mix of Indigenous and English ancestry. He joined me from Richmond, B.C., where he lives. This uh, new book is published by Nightwood Editions. We taped this interview three weeks ago. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Brandon Reed. Mr. Reed, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Good. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, nice to talk to you. Um, I, I was reading in your bio, it says that you're a TTOC. Um, right. I, I, I'm assuming that TOC means teacher on call. What, what is the, 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 <laughs> the extra T? Extra T? Uh, teacher, teacher on call. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so it, 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 um, they just put, t, they, they put an extra T on, I guess, nowadays, right? Yeah, you know, it used to be substitute. Wasn't it? But it changes to something more formal, and respectful, I suppose. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, have you always wanted to write? Uh, yeah. Well, like, mm, yeah, I started writing when I was a kid. You know, uh-huh. just sort of making stories up. Uh, it was sort of like theatrical, I guess. Like I was just sort of playing outside, making up stories in my head about Pokemon and whatever, you know, dragons, I guess. And then, uh, you know, I started writing it down and never got too far with it. Um, and then I seriously started writing when I was in college, when I was trying to become a journalist. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I just, I really started with songs, actually. I was sitting at the bus stop, I remember, late at night. Mm-hmm. And, um, sorry, some cars going by, some geese, you know. But yeah. I, I was just um, sitting at the bus stop and I had nothing to do. And I was inspired by some writers like... Um, I was a cook, so I was inspired by, like, Anthony Bourdain. And we used to just write in his spare time, and he came up with Kitchen Confidential. Right. Which was a book, you know, everyone in the hospitality industry has read, I suppose. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I started writing songs and uh, poems and the style Jim Morrison. And uh, eventually I started writing prose uh, with my journalism training. And, uh, yeah, so I've been writing, I don't know, since so I was, 18 or so seriously yeah but you know it started much earlier i guess as a kid telling stories and stuff what strikes me is i I, i've started beautiful beautiful um uh is Mm -hmm. the ear for dialogue that you have and and um i didn't know this 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 interest that you had in this background that you had in music um i guess that works hand in hand doesn't it with writing because um the the uh the, the the dialogue in the book is often lyrical, but, but there's a great rhythm to it, and but I guess that's how we how people talk. But at the same time, to be able to capture that for a reader, uh, the writer has to have other pursuits, and and I guess music has had an influence. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, my dad always told me to like listen for the meaning behind uh, lyrics. So like, he w- he wouldn't like a song unless it had some sort of meaning to it. Um, I I think really the dialogue for me capturing that dialogue came from my journalism training. Mm-hmm. Like I became aware of like, you know, exactly how people speak and the little things they put in between words and how you sort of translate that to a page as a journalist. So I was really sort of hyper aware of how people actually speak and how dialogue actually goes. And, uh, you know, the book does start with a, a quote from my great-grandpa, um, uh, Gordon, right? Uh-huh. And um, I was trying to capture his style of, like, oral storytelling, you know, because it's sort of, um, uh, you know, obvious how he told a story, given that quote that starts the whole book. And I tried to keep that rhythm and that sort of duality, right? Picked him up, picked her up. And, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tremendous gift that you have at, at, at telling stories. And I guess it does it does go back generations, doesn't it? I like to think so, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a great honor here. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> You're very welcome. Our, our um, central character in Beautiful Beautiful is, is this 12-year-old named Derek Mormon. Um, what, what is he like? And 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 um, it, 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 I guess he's a character that that um, th- that you you obviously liked a, a great deal. Otherwise, you wouldn't spend as much time with him as you you did in terms of writing the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where does he live? Uh, he lives in Vancouver uh, near Commercial. We can say, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I don't like get too specific with that sort of thing, but yeah, he lives sort of in Vancouver and works off commercial. His dad's pawn shop. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he's born into a more like urban setting, right? But his his dad's from Calabella, so he has that influence uh, there. Uh, what's he like? Uh, yeah. Well, he's, he's sort of reclusive. He's shy. He's um, also strong-willed, though, given his dad and. His dad's very strong-willed, right, opinionated about certain things. Uh, he's very curious. He's also extremely emotional, perhaps too emotional, right, uh, when it comes to, like, saving animals, mm-hmm. as you see later on with them. Um, you know, you'll see if you read the book, right, he's very empathetic, and he's sort of struggling through uh, some recent loss that he had of some of his companions. So he's trying to figure out, like, you know, how to go by in the world and figure out his emotions why he's so sort of uh, emotional and, you know, that sort of the masculinity aspect of it that um, George sort of learns, you know, how to handle his own emotions by dealing with his son and uh, healing his own trauma with uh, his and his companions and his loved ones as well. That's something that strikes me as I'm, I'm, I'm meeting him in the book is, is how um, strong he is because um, I, I've been an adult for a while now and I, I forget that at 12... Um, even younger, sometimes the uh, the uh, the people that we become. I mean, it, it, it sort of gets full, almost fully formed, even at that age. And um, uh, yeah. it's it's just a, he's, he's a character that that um, I, I know that I'm going to enjoy um, getting to know as I continue reading the book. Um, He's. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that that he's from, say, a more urban setting, and then he he has to go back to Bella Bella because his grandfather's died. And and when we first meet him in the book, he's wondering who'll be at the funeral. What's his um, relationship like with, say, the the uh, less than urban setting of, of Bella Bella, having grown up and lived here, lived in an urban setting, say. What's it like? What exactly 
Do you mean like, uh, like yeah, how does how does he feel about um, having to go back to Bella Bella, especially? This is some, something that's that's a little more rural than Vancouver. Yeah, well, he's clearly not used to it. You know, he's grown up in the city. He knows he's more of an urban kid, and it's very multicultural where he grew up, right? And he's used to that sort of freedom and liberation of police. And you know, he goes to Bella Bella, where it's more conservative, where. Um, it's also people that are trying to preserve their history that was taken from them um, by force, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of trauma, intergenerational trauma uh, associated with that. So it's very shocking, I think, for him. Um, not just like going to a rural setting, but specifically Bella Bella. Yeah. You know? Like the rural element's cool. He, he likes nature. He's fascinated by the whales, as you'll see, you know? Uh-huh. He's super excited to spot the whales and He's, uh, you know, enamored with nature unfolding around him and sort of um, the difference between that and the urban setting he grew up in. And, and so at, at this point when we meet him in the book, what is his relationship with his indigeneity? Um, well, he's sort of an expat, isn't he? You know, like um, all he knows about his family is really what George has told him, and he's sort of reluctant to uh, embrace it or explore it. Um you see with, in the second part specifically, like with the indigenous teacher, um, he's very reluctant to sort of explore his indigeneity uh-huh. uh, in regards with education uh, because he doesn't want to be singled out and he thinks that everyone has their own right to believe in what they believe in and it's very multicultural Vancouver and uh, he doesn't see himself being entitled to have a, a specific education, you know, being pulled out of class just for being uh, a status Indian, you know. So he's hesitant, but he's also very inspired. And I think he's more inspired than he actually knows, you know, dealing with spirits. He sort of takes it for granted, uh-huh. the way his dad speaks about the world. Because that's very specific to, you know, being indigenous, that we believe spirits are everywhere in a sense, and they're entangled with the world, not sort of a separate thing. Um, he doesn't really realize that that's how he views the world. And that's through his dad, of course. Um, yeah. He, so someone who is 12, as I said a moment ago, is you know the, usually usually quite strong. But at the same time, it's 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 um, a very complicated age, isn't it? Growing up, um, oh, yeah. it's not easy at all. And so dealing with identity, um, uh, especially as indigeneity, um, these are these are things that are obviously difficult for someone that age to say contend with. What is what are yeah. some of the challenges that that he um, has to say overcome when it comes to um, his identity in that sense? Well, in what regard, you know, like I suppose it's difficult for like anyone at that age because they have to go to high school, and that's very, um, uh, you know, traumatizing for some, specifically yeah. Derek, you know, because he has to go to school with no friends, you know, and that's very difficult at that age, you know. It's funny because that's drawn from my experience as a teacher. So, like, I had that first uh, hand account of, like, working with kids and realizing that everything that I sort of experienced, you know, going to new school and making all these friends and starting with no friends and stuff, I thought it was a huge deal. But then as a teacher, you just sort of realize that they're all in the same boat. And yeah. it's not, like, a huge deal, right? Yeah. Um, but it seems like the biggest thing in the world at the time, doesn't it? You know? Um, um, and Derek also um, is somebody who um, 
You mentioned that he, he does like, like the outdoors and, and he's captivated by it. Um, yeah. What do you think he um, gets out of it more than just, say, enjoying maybe having fun, say? I mean, it's something that that, that um, really shapes his character, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot to say, really. Um do you have any like specific questions? Well, about I, it? I was going to say they, 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 near the beginning of the book, they, they go fishing. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how does he react to, to say going fishing? I mean, I I, I kind of remember going fishing when I was that age, and and uh, yeah, it's it's been a while now. I'm I'm 41, so it, it's <laughs> I, I can't really remember it. I I uh, uh, I wonder what what does he get the, a chance to do do that outside of of where he lives, or, or is that something that you could only do, say, up at Bella Bella? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's mostly like a sort of an adventure thing, you know, yeah. like when he's traveling up to Bella Bella, sort of the Wild West Coast is where. Uh, to him, it's like, um, you know, he really wants to do good because that's how he views his lineage uh, with his uh, grandfathers. You know, they're all sort of fishermen. Uh-huh. So he thinks it's sort of the ultimate test of manhood to be able to catch a fish. Which is sort of ridiculous, but that's sort of how the mind of a twelve-year-old works, right? You think about all these sort of outrageous <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah. That, like, you know, it, it's not really true in the grand scheme of things, but to him, it, it really matters, right? It's, uh, that's sort of a beautiful thing about growing up, like realizing the reality of the world and stuff. And you know, it's a good test of one's skills in it, like fishing. You have to have patience. Um, yeah, you know, lots yeah. of people fishing, really. That, that's the that's the thing that, that, that fishing I, from from what I've heard from people over the years is that the, 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 you glean patience and then it, it's uh, sort of the conversations you have with people around you at the time because it can be quite uh, you know uh, there's a, a lot of waiting right <laughs> yeah well I say in the book it's sort of like an excuse to look at nature you know yeah like if if you consider it like that then it's really an enjoyable sort of pastoral experience but if you think you're going to catch a fish each time then it's sort of a you might be let down, right? <laughs> the reality of the situation. Indeed, um, masculinity is another theme that you tackle in the book. Why do we need to talk about um, that? Is uh, um, because it is incredibly important, isn't it? Um, um, yeah. You're not only talking about Derek, but um, for for the reader themselves, it's something that they need to, to think about beyond their time spent reading beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I, I think our society would be a lot better if we t- talk about, say, masculinity and, 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 and yeah. the, the, unfortunately, the, the toxic masculinity that we see around us, calling that out regularly, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, masculinity is sort of, you know, something I grew up with, right? I think the times have sort of changed in that regard, you know. Um, but I think it's an important topic, you know. Not that I want to, I think, you know, femininity is still a big issue and that needs to be addressed and respected and it's long overdue to respect women and make them equal and all that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there is sort of an issue with men not having a role in the world, and they think that, you know, they're sort of useless and they don't have a place, right? And uh, that's something I explore because George is sort of a hyper-masculine person, right? He's extremely tough. Uh, he's toxic at times, right? Putting down Derek even uh-huh. uh, for failing at certain things. And... Uh, you know, I think that's something that any generation from, like, a father and son could speak to, you know? Um, that, like, oh, you need to be tougher, you need to 
be the man of the house. You need to go. You need to work. You need to provide for the family and stuff. That's still in many cultures, uh, and that's what we see with George, right? Indeed. Yeah. Um, it, what is it um, that you're able to do, Brandon, in fiction? Because these are big topics that you, you're big, big themes that you're you're contending with in the book. Um, yeah. What are you able to say in fiction that you, you probably couldn't say in another form of writing? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, I, I try not to get too political with stuff, you know, even with my background in journalism, because I think the art sort of transcends any sort of politics or even culture, you know. I think a lot of these issues speak to people in general, and it sort of uh, goes beyond any sort of barriers of culture, politics, government, uh, society, and you know. Uh, fiction, well, I can really express my uh, mystical beliefs, you know, and uh, incorporate spirit and embody sort of indigenous narratives with the trickster and so forth. Mm-hmm. The way I have fun with the narrative and various chapters, I change it up. I go into different perspectives. Um, you know, I, I can't really do that in in uh, nonfiction, uh, as well, uh, or as beautifully, I think. You know? Yeah, like I think beautiful, beautiful is really my approach to like writing, and that I go for aesthetic first. You know, I always tried to do something that was very pleasing to me, just to read. Uh, the story wasn't uh, the story came after really in a lot of senses. It's a good story and there's a lot of structure to it, but I'm always a fan of books that are really more about the aesthetic and the beauty of the language itself and that's really what i'm trying to do is write uh literature in the pure sense i suppose that's what comes through from what i've read so far it, it um it it's an enjoyable experience for the 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 uh the ear as well as the eye um huh. and then you can only i'm obviously reading it um but i can hear it in a way that um uh it's, it's a very rich experience that you you give us uh, the reader um in terms of, of um, uh, the traumatic history that, that Derek uncovers of his ancestors um, and bringing that for your audience and talking about that, um, do you keep in mind uh, as you're writing um, how the audience will react or, or how they should feel even? I mean, are these considerations that you make as a writer? Uh, yeah, more than I'd like to admit, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm always thinking about like what the reader will experience. Um, I don't know where to start, really. I mean, I try to reward the reader. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, you know, once you get to the the sort of uh, juicy bits at the end, you if you stay through with it through this sort of uh, tremendous beginning of part one, where it's very dramatic and traumatizing, you know, mm-hmm. for Derek especially, and then you get to part three, you'll uh, be really rewarded for. Uh, sticking through with it, I think. And uh, that involves me sort of breaking some um, tradition and uh, uh, with regards to, like, structure and stuff like that. Uh, what was the original question? Sorry. Yeah, I, because you do um, have Derek uncover, say, the traumatic history of his ancestors. Right. Um, and um, that's very important to think about because there's still a lot of people in our culture and our society who don't think that the trauma is passed on generation from generation. Uh, generation to generation, I should say. Um, yeah. th- that's very important to talk about, isn't it? The trauma? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. 
Uh, speaking about music, I guess, you know, I, I was a big fan of blues in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's really where I sort of um, started writing uh, poems and songs was from the sort of blues uh, tradition, right? And that tradition is really taking all your sorrows, everything that's bad in the world, all your trauma, and sort of transmuting it into something beautiful and good in hopes of alleviating your suffering. And I think that's what I tried to do. I say in the beginning, really, that this is the way that the story should be told. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like, a lot of this is based off my experience dealing with uh, intergenerational trauma with my ancestors and my family. And I could have just told it the way it was, and it would have been quite uh, traumatizing, I suppose, to read through. But I tried to heal a lot of it and make the characters do things that didn't actually happen uh, with my family and, you know, my people, my ancestors. Um, so I think that's what I tried to do. I think I accomplished that for the most part is made something beautiful out of something that was extremely tragic and, you know, something that, um, I don't think many people should have to go through uh, with regards to having a broken family and so forth. Yeah. Not that I had, uh, extremely traumatic childhood in that sense, but I definitely came out of that. And, you know, my grandma went to residential school my, uh, Grandpa avoided it by working, so he couldn't really read English. And uh, now I am here teaching English and uh, writing a book, you know. So I tried to make them proud, I guess you could say. Yeah, indeed. Um, and and to to um, write a book like Beautiful, Beautiful, and, and I have to say relive some of that. Um, but at the end of the experience of writing the book, though, I mean, you you, do, you have found it rewarding, and, and you've gleaned something good out of it, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I had to read it over and over again to edit it, right, of course. But, like, yeah. it was always traumatizing for me to read, especially part one. Uh-huh. Like, I really didn't want to read it, to be honest, because I had to go through all that trauma again, that suffering. And I think there is something to that sort of philosophy that um, your mind is really reality. And so, you know, what Derek goes through, I have to go through. And it's sort of the vehicle uh, that is a book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Everyone has to go through it, in a sense, when they read the book. But in the end, you know, I tried to make it sort of beautiful and inspirational and, and fun, you know. I think um, the last chapters are really the best ones in part three. Uh, it's the reason why we didn't bother putting a table of contents. Is It's quite surprising. Uh, there's hints, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. description of the book, but um, you know, I'm not going to ruin it. But yeah. you know, you'll uh, be surprised, and I think you'll enjoy it. I can't all, wait to all get... your readers out there too. You know, <laughs> I can't wait to get back to it. Um, it, it was it important for you to make a book that was also accessible for young readers. Uh, yeah, it was. I tried to. In, in the original one, it was a lot more dramatic, and there's a lot more swearing. It was a lot more um, honest, I suppose, yeah. but. You know, I tried to make it more approachable for at least high school readers, you know, the later ones. You know, I think it's on par with, like, Kurt Vonnegut. You know, if you, they read that um, those books all the time, you know, I see stacks of them in classrooms. So if they can read that, I think it's it's pretty similar in some respects, you know, in terms of maturity, humor, dark humor, and stuff like that, and creativity. Um, yeah, I tried to gear it towards young readers, too, but, you know, I think it's, uh, I think anyone could read it. Yeah. Um, what was it like working with the folks at Nightwood Editions? Oh, it was, it was gorgeous. You know, uh, well, I've, I've never had um, 
like a decent reply letter in my life, you know. <laughs> so for for Emma Skagen, Skagen, and uh, not sure to pronounce the last name yet, but uh, she was, you know, the best sort of working partner I, I could have asked for. You know, it was such a beautiful thing to collaborate with her. I'm so thankful for that. Um, yeah, it was just great to have someone that believed in me and someone that geared me in the right direction to make a well-rounded story. Um, and someone who was like critical of things that uh, needed uh, to be changed, you know, to make it a better story. You know, she had some great ideas. Um, can't say too much on what exactly changed because it's sort of towards the end. But she yeah. really crowded me in, and you know, I think it's you know infinitely times better than it, it was in the beginning. You know? I, I always viewed it as a collaboration, you know, and I kept telling them of that. And, uh, yeah, you yeah. know. Well, um, uh, I hate to ask this question of authors when I interview them because um, they're in the midst of promoting um, the book that they're talking about. Um, are you working on another piece of writing now? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm working on, like, um, well, I don't really want to say too much sure. about it. You know, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it has to do... It's a sequel of sorts. Um, I'll just say it involves Raven, and that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, um, I, I'm enjoying this book a great deal, so I, I, I can't wait for whatever's next in, in, in your writing career. Um, I, I so appreciate your time today, Brandon. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to finishing the book. Thanks for your time today. Is it up already? <laughs> wow. Can I just thank Kareen as well, because she was brilliant in the editing process, and it was great to really work with an artist. And, of course, Hillis White was the person who believed in me, and I'll be eternally grateful for that. Uh, if that's it, uh, thank you, Joe. It was amazing to talk to you. You mentioned some people, by the way, that that, um, that I've heard of over the years. I met Silas a couple of times. Um, but um, these, what you've said of, of their work is, has been echoed by many other authors over the years, so... Um, I, I, I think it's wonderful. Well, it's such that, an honor to work for him, you know. It's wonderful that he believed in me. That it's that wonderful he had faith that, in me and all that. that you're bringing these these folks up as, as as you talk about the book. Thanks, thanks again for your time. Thank you, Joe. The book is called Beautiful, Beautiful. It's published by Nightwood Editions. Its author Brandon Reed. Join me on the line from Richmond, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunton.